Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, everyone. I'm Katie Couric, and this is Next Question. We hear it every day. Americans are politically and culturally divided. But something we don't hear very often is that 87% of us are sick and tired of it. So if so many people feel this way, what can we do about it? At the essence, the overwhelming majority of human beings are wired to want to transcend what is happening to our society today. We are not designed to be nasty jerks, but ultimately it comes to our daily habits. Daniel Lubetsky is the founder of Kind Snacks. He's also a social entrepreneur. He's always believed in using business as a force for good. And his approach to the polarization problem is a nonpartisan civic movement called Starts With Us. We'll also be talking to Peter Coleman. He's a professor at Columbia, and he's working with Daniel's organization on conflict resolution. Along with 213 thought leaders and cultural figures, Daniel and Peter are taking on everything from extremist attitudes to divisive media to power-hungry politicians, all in the name of what so many of us want, a rational approach to solving our most intractable problems. By the way, if you want to get smarter every single morning with a breakdown of news and fascinating takes on health and wellness and pop culture, sign up for our daily newsletter, Wake Up Call, by going to katiecouric.com. Hi, Katie. Getting on my ergonomic chair. Hi, Daniel. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very excited to talk to you because you are a very interesting person. And to say your backstory is fascinating is an understatement. I feel like getting to know you, we have to first get to know your father because he was such an important influence on you. And his story, I think, very much shaped the person you are today. Tell us about your dad, Roman. Absolutely. I I do think that my my story starts with, with uh, my family and particularly with my dad, who was probably one of the greatest influences in my life. And he was a little kid when World War II started. Eventually, he landed in a concentration camp in Dachau, and he was liberated by American soldiers. And I can speak for hours about him, but I, I'll say that what was remarkable about my dad, Katie, is that he 
was able to speak about the horrors of what he went through without it making him embittered about the world or about humanity. He was the kindest, sweetest person you'd meet. And every person he met, it was like it was his mission to make their day better. He was always building bridges. He was always, like my mom also was a, a bridge builder. My dad was always trying to connect with people and uh, he didn't shy away from speaking about what happened with him, but he found a way to remember those small moments of heroism by kind people that saved his life as much as the horrible moments that were probably the dominant part of his experience. But he found a way to remember the humanity that helped him survive. It's unbelievable when you think about how relatively recently the Holocaust was, isn't it? Well, for me, Katie, what's what's most stunning is that not only was it only like 70 some years ago, but all throughout my upbringing, my first, I don't know, 45, 50 years of my life, I couldn't connect the dots of how stuff like that can happen. How could anything like that ever happen? And it's very depressing for me that I now can understand it, that only in the last several years have I noticed how power works, how humanity can be so manipulated and dehumanized and uh, how polarization can lead to such divisions and the rise of authoritarianism and dictatorial forces. I'm by no means saying that anywhere in the world today is as bad as what happened in World War II. But you see, you can connect dots to understand how we could land there. I mean, 10 years ago, none of us thought that this was remotely an issue. And many of us now can appreciate that we cannot take for granted the freedom and democracy that made America what it is today and the freedom and democracy they brought to the entire world, which now literally across the world, you see this rise of neo-fascist extremism across the spectrum of politics. You have dictatorial figures uh, from the left as well as from the right across all five continents. We'll talk about that and the work you're doing on polarization in just a bit. But I wanted to continue with your family story because your father at 17 immigrated to Mexico. Uh, he only had a third grade education. He didn't speak English or Spanish. And he went to Mexico and became very successful. Why Mexico? And to what do you tr attribute his success? He landed in Mexico because he had nowhere else to go. An aunt and uncle of his had landed in Mexico before the war, uh, again, because they had nowhere else to go. And Mexico, I guess, let them in. And when he arrived, like you said, he the way he educated himself was by getting used encyclopedias and reading them cover to cover. That's how he got his education. And he worked double and triple shifts till he was able to start his small business with his father, and then eventually became a very successful businessman. And we eventually came to the United States when I turned 15 and a half. But what's interesting is when I arrived as 15 and a half, I had a roof over my head and had, you know, all the opportunities that my dad never had. When he was 15 and a half, he was liberated by American soldiers. 
when the American forces were advancing, the Nazis came up with a final plan, with their final solution to get rid of the Jews. They didn't have enough bullets to kill all the inmates, so they were going to walk them up mountains, ravines, and throw them off a cliff. And they were walking my father and my grandfather and thousands of other inmates um, without, you know, coats. And some of them died along the way because they were already, you know, my dad was six foot tall and he weighed less than 70 pounds. So they were all almost subhuman by then. And they went and all of a sudden a snowstorm hit. So the German soldiers kept advancing and all the inmates thought this is how we're going to die in, in, in this snowstorm in the middle of these mountains. The Germans had continued marching ahead because they didn't want to get caught by the Americans. So the inmates started heading back. And when they saw the tanks, they're like, oh, no, here are the Nazis again. But it wasn't. It was the American soldiers in the form of Japanese Americans. And um, when my dad first saw them, he didn't understand what to make of it because he had never seen a Japanese person. And it was Japanese Americans whose families were, you know, incarcerated or interned while they were fighting to liberate another continent. And so you can imagine these Jewish inmates not understanding this and the Japanese Americans being the sweetest and kindest people feeding them chocolates and taking care of them. And can you imagine witnessing, seeing these people that look like they're not human beings, like almost carcasses walking and, and seeing that suffering and that what had become them? That's an amazing story. And just the degree of human suffering and then the degree of, of compassion is just hard to even comprehend, I think. Thank you for sharing that story. At 15 and a half, you and your parents immigrated to the U.S. You moved to Texas. Was it hard for you to find yourself in the United States? Uh, probably not as difficult as your father finding himself in Mexico. But what was that transition like for you, Daniel? <laughs> uh, it was a lot of fun, honestly. I mean, it was a great experience because for us, the United States was not just the land of opportunity, but the land of Disneyland and long, 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 long cereal aisles. So, you know, you <laughs> in Mexico, there were two cereals and here you show up and there's dozens of cereals and you can choose you, a different cereal every day. And so it was a lot of, for us, it was, it was very special. You ended up going to college. Where did you go as an undergraduate? I went to Trinity University. I was the first person from my family to go to college. And it was an incredible experience. It's there that I first uh, fell in love with learning and I became very curious. Up until then, I was a smart kid, but I was just breezing by. I didn't really read or apply myself. And uh, that's when I became an official nerd. Well, you must have done pretty well because you got into Stanford Law School and you originally wanted to be a career diplomat, but you changed your mind at Stanford or shortly thereafter. Why? So I went to Stanford Law because I thought I was going to be a diplomat to try to resolve the Arab-Israeli conflict. I was very passionate since I was a kid about building bridges, particularly to bring peace to Israel and all of its neighbors. So I had the idea for 
using business and commerce to encourage neighbors to become friends and to work together. How did this notion of food and producing food as a means to create peace, where did that come from? I studied abroad for six months in Israel and met Palestinian friends and Israeli friends. And I started becoming very curious about the power of economics to advance conflict resolution. And in the research that I'm doing, the agricultural sector is one of those few sectors where symmetrical relationships between Arabs and Israelis are possible. And that's how PeaceWorks started. It was Israel and its neighbors trying to show both sides how they could make money together rather than fight. You got the idea for your company, Kind, when you were building PeaceWorks and you barely had time to eat. You thought, I need something to sustain me. So tell us that story. Yeah, so I had been running PeaceWorks at that point 10 years. I couldn't find a snack that I could feel good about eating. It was all either very indulgent or it tasted like cardboard. And long story short, I came up with the idea for using nutrient-dense ingredients like almonds and tree nuts to create a versatile snack that was kind to your body, kind to your taste buds, and kind to the world. And that's how Kind started. But Kind wasn't just the name of the company. It was really emblematic of the values of the company. Yeah. Tell me sort of what your goals were in terms of building your business. So I was so blessed that I discovered the PeaceWorks model of bringing people together while making money. When I had the idea for Kind, I wanted to also find a way to not just make money, but to do something meaningful. The year that I and my team and I conceived Kind is the year my dad passed away. And we were looking for an adjective that would fit our three pillars for the product that was kind to your body, kind to your taste buds, and kind to the world. But the catalyst was that that was who my father was, right? The kind person that always connected people. And so I think that's what, during that year of mourning my dad, it was a way to honor him and a way to remember all the magic that he brought to my life and other people's lives by trying to name the brand in his honor. We'll be right back. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. And we're back. When Kind started taking off, were you like, holy 
shit. I can't believe it because, I mean, were you just dumbfounded? My experience as a business person, Katie, is that there's an enormous amount of surprises, enormous amount of stuff that you learn every single day. And entrepreneurs that or, or founders that position themselves as saviors of humanity are full of shit because there's an enormous amount of like being lucky to be at the right time. It doesn't mean you don't need to have an extraordinarily hard work ethic. You do. Otherwise, you're not going to win. And be extraordinarily a critical thinker and develop curiosity and compassion and courage in your daily life and really, really work harder than others and be more creative and uh, out, you know, be more disruptive. It, but in addition to that, there needs to be enormous amount of luck and, and uh, being there at the right time. And once we launched Kind, you're right, it just took off and it benefited from all the lessons of all the mistakes that I had done in my first 10 years at PeaceWorks. It's a huge, I guess, billion dollar business now, Daniel, and you sold it, right? I didn't sell, I, I sold a controlling stake in the company. I still have a meaningful stake in the company and I'm still deeply involved and I love working with my team. Let's talk about your philanthropy now because I know you have begun to focus your efforts on trying to diminish the divisions we've seen grow and calcify in our country. Why polarization? Why was this area of interest to you? Well, first of all, Katie, the way my mind works is that I just don't sleep well very, very often. And I I think as a son of a Holocaust survivor, I have this extra awareness that I cannot just take for granted that I have such a great life and I'm so blessed to have immigrated to America. And, and I'm not saying the United States is perfect, but it's probably the best experiment of any other country out there. But we need to preserve it. And I live in constant worry that my children are going to inherit a, a much tougher set of circumstances than what my generation inherited. I mean, I have five different areas of focus in my philanthropy right now, but the overarching concern that connects to all of those is this growing trend of extremism and dehumanization and tribalism that informs the global conflict across the world is this rise of authoritarianism that informs anti-Semitism, that informs the conflict in that's happening in Israel and the Middle East, that informs what's happening here in the United States. And, you know, social media makes all of us think we have the answers because we are living in echo chambers, makes us all be a little bit more rigid and a little bit less introspective and a little bit less willing to be curious about understanding the other side. Same with cable news. They're just feeding us what we want to hear rather than what we need to hear. And same with politicians who increasingly are just wielding disproportionate power when they take extremist stakes. And we need to change that because if we don't change that, we cannot assume that our lives, our communities, and our country and our world are going to be what we want for our children. We need to recognize 87%, Katie, of the United States are very, very alarmed at the direction of our country towards so much polarization, so much dehumanization, so much hatred, and feel that it has to change. So the overwhelming majority of people feel that, but we're not doing something about it because we all feel powerless. We don't understand what to do. And so Starts With Us is an initiative. I know Peter Coleman uh, is going to join us soon, and he's one of our 
213 senior movement partners that have built this movement to try to give people a toolkit of small things they can do in their daily lives to seize back the agenda away from extremism and towards a world that is closer to the America that we inherited than the one where we're approaching. Okay. Let's bring in Peter Coleman, a professor at Columbia University and also the author of The Way Out, How to Overcome Toxic Polarization. Peter, thanks for joining us because I know you're bringing your experience and knowledge to Starts With Us in its effort to bridge the bitter divisions we're seeing in this country. And needless to say, I think many people are very upset about the state of the country and Peter, why did you want to get involved in this effort? I have worked and studied in this area for a long time. One of the things I study is long-term intractable conflicts, conflicts that go on for decades. So we've been getting progressively worse, escalating you know, for, for decades now. I have a lab here called the Difficult Conversations Lab, where we bring people in who are opposed on some moral issue. We study the conditions under which those conversations go well or go poorly. So I was, I've been doing that for a long time. And because of that, when um, Donald Trump was elected, when political rhetoric was really heating up in the US. So I wrote a book called The Way Out, which was my attempt to say, okay, there is science on this. This is what the science is. You know, pay attention, please. And then I started conversations with Daniel's team and met Daniel soon thereafter. And they're an innovative group of radical provocateurs, I think, who are trying to do disruptive things. And um, so I love that. And what I found is that they were listening to the science. When we would have a conversation and they say, we think we want to do this. And I'd say, okay, but understand these may be the consequences. And they'd say, okay, that's good to know. (laughs) So maybe we need to reshape it, right? But we have obviously become so tribal and all our institutions, for example, you mentioned the media, they seem to have a business model that's predicated on pulling us apart instead of bringing us together. Well, I would say it's more extreme on one side, but we can discuss that. So how are, in the world are you going to change it? No, I, I completely agree that the, we have our hands full here in terms of the challenge because it's been a challenge that I've been following for decades, and it's only gotten worse now with the power of social media. And, and like they're incentivized to scandal. So it, it's a very serious challenge. A lot of what starts with us is starting by injecting into our discourse the three C's, curiosity, compassion, and courage, and very concrete things you can do in your daily life to live by those three Ds, which is not just going to be about saving America from dictatorship. It's also going to make you a better parent, a more effective business leader, a more effective leader. And the the ultimate thing I would answer is, not only is it the power of the people because we're the overwhelming majority, it's that if we don't do it, nobody else will do it for us. So it's imperative that we stand up and do it. We'll be right back. Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. 
Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. We're back with Daniel Lebetsky and Peter Coleman. Peter, where does science come into all of this? Everywhere. The good news about the crisis that we're in is that it has created, you know, these kinds of crises, these kinds of times create their own conditions for their own undoing. So the fact that something like 80 to 90 percent of Americans are exhausted, fed up and really looking for, you know, a different way forward. That's good news, right? That that means there is a majority that is ripe for something else. This instability that we think we're just coming out of, COVID, awareness of racial injustice, economic downturns, the great resignation, there's been so much tumult in our lives. So the good news is we're exhausted, we're miserable, we feel destabilized. And so what we need to provide this middle majority is what what the alternative looks like. What do you do? Where I find optimism is that um, over the past couple of years, I've had the opportunity to work with Starts With Us and other groups that are working in all different sectors. That's happening in politics. It's happening in business. It's happening in journalism. So in major sectors. And then there are 8,000 community-based organizations across the country that are doing this at the community level. So there's a social movement that's happening. We, We don't think of it yet. We're not aware of ourselves as a social movement yet. I think that's part of what Starts With Us is trying to do is say, hey, you know, we're, there's many good people doing good things, bringing us together, which show us how to have respectful conversations. We're not trained in this. Americans are trained in debate. So a political difference comes up and we move into debate and it escalates, especially because we oftentimes don't know what we're talking about. And we also just want to win at all costs. We don't want to listen. We want to prove our point. And that's what, yeah, that's basically the design of debate is the game to win, Right. And, and that's one way to communicate, but we don't really understand how to listen effectively, how to really listen to learn about ourselves and others and the issues, right? So there's a lot of work to do to, to help Americans see what that looks like. And also, you know, the political parties are not necessarily our best friends because their agenda yeah. is to win over the other political party rather than to solve problems. You were saying, Katie, earlier that in your opinion— one side probably is more intolerant than the other. And I suspect that you were thinking that the people that support Trump are much more rigid and inflexible than the people that oppose Trump. I was, I think I was thinking Fox News versus, say, MSNBC, although I do think they both represent two sides. But I feel like Fox News is really the devil, I have to say, Daniel. <laughs> I I think they're awful. I think they're craven. I think they care about ratings and ratings alone. And they'll say anything to get those ratings, even if they don't believe it's true. And that's been shown in the Dominion lawsuit. So 
They disgust me. Go on. <laughs> Let me tell you, I have equal disgust towards Fox News. But the problem does exist across the spectrum. We literally just came out with a study where in partnership with the George Mason University Center for Media and Public Affairs, identified the seven most bipartisan members of Congress and the seven most hyperpartisan members of Congress. Marjorie Taylor Greene got more media attention than anybody else. She got more media attention than all the bipartisans together. You would think that the greatest culprits are the extremist media. You know who was the the new source out of the 16 leading stations that gave her the most focus and attention? What? The New York Times. If I speak to my friends at the New York Times, they'll say, well, how can we not cover her stuff? So what ends up happening is we're just news media with very few exceptions. They're throwing the red meat to their audiences. And so- Right, of course. And, and it's, it's to your point, it's the incentives for the system. It's reinforcing preconceived biases. What we need to ask from members of the media is not that they not cover the crazies because it's impossible for them to not get ratings, but that they just fine-tune those ratios so that they work a little bit to bring in the constructive people that are actually addressing our problems and trying to advance solutions. And people who are working on solutions, the, the worry, I think, is that if it's not incendiary, if it doesn't create a visceral emotional response, people are going to change the channel or not buy the newspaper. This is how we've all been Trained. conditioned. Exactly. And what starts with us is trying to learn from them is those little micro habits that can help overcome that. It starts with a little action every day. Peter, maybe you can talk a little bit about that. So a small group of us started to say, okay, so if we were to actually live these actions every day for a little bit of time every day, what would we do? What would that look like? We basically generated 100 different micro-actions, micro-activities, nudges, uh, exercises that you can do. Every day there's an option that's five minutes, and then they can get more. And we piloted it this summer with a small group of people, and I participated myself, and it was helpful. It really helped us sort of start to have different kinds of conversations. The first week, you kind of focus on yourself and your own kind of inclinations and attitudes. The second week, we ask you to start to think about the people you are comfortable talking politics with. Are you being honest? Are you able to, you know, talk about your own ambivalence? And how do you start to, you know, change that conversation maybe? The third week is about trying to find somebody that you're you know, politically alienated from right now. There was a man in my building who I was, you know, friendly with for years. And I sudden, read that piece in Time Magazine. You took a walk with him. Took a walk. And yeah. I mean, he could not have been more different than you in almost every conceivable way. And um, I have to say, I don't think I'd want to have dinner with your neighbor, but go on. <laughs> <laughs> but I have to say, again, you know, what it reminded me of what the context of his attitudes were, his opinions, his right. part of it was his religion and part of his upbringing and his grandfather. So, you know, again, being reminded of the humanity of this man helped me hear him and frankly helped him kind of talk himself away from more extreme opinions, you know? Right. So that's one of the activities in this challenge that we offer. So so right now, it starts with us built um, this website that, that you can go to and register for this thing. Every day, 
you know, there are four or five things you can choose from. It's like a mindfulness app, right? You can do small things every day. I'm just going to read them and you can give us a quick instruction on each one. Number one, stop to reset. What does that mean? Well, that means that oftentimes we launch into things automatically. We say things and we start, we get ourselves in trouble and then we can't walk it back. So it is about when you feel the possibility of things could go awry, go into it with some intentionality and reflection before you start. Number two, spot positive deviance. Yeah, so that's, I mean, the, the great news is that there are, as I said earlier, thousands of people doing this work. I mean, one of the things I'd ask you to think about is like, is there somebody in your life who you grew up with or you know well, who is really good at dealing with hard conflicts, sitting with them, being respectful, but firm, right? And those are the positive deviants in our life, right? It's not how to fix problems. It's how do we see people that already manage those effectively and how can we be more like them? Complicate to simplify. Yeah. So again, these days, it's very easy for us to oversimplify them and us and the issues, right? It's like immigration, which is this immensely complex set of issues, becomes about a wall. And that's, you know, ridiculous, right? So one of the things I do is uh, about two years ago, I identified five people who are on the other side of the political divide from me who have, you know, opinions and ideas that are opposed to me, but who I think are decent, well-intentioned, and often well-informed. And when the news breaks, instead of just going to the, you know, my comfort news, I force myself to find them because oftentimes I may disagree, but they're, they're making a point. And that's complicating my understanding of this world, which is so hard to do because of the, you know, biases in the news that you were describing. Daniel, you were going to add something? I just want to say that what Peter does is so commendable, and I try my own version of that. And I don't know if you do, Katie, but it is so extraordinarily exhausting, and yet it's also extraordinarily exhilarating. Ultimately, the more high-functioning societies, the more high-functioning families, the more high-functioning companies will be the ones that issue that approach and learn to be hardy debaters that respect one another, learn to know how to be critical thinkers and critical listeners. Those are skills that are made us the best country that we are, the best companies that get created. We're going to lose that if we lose the ability to to have debates with one another in a respectful fashion. I try to do that. I mean, I sometimes watch Fox News. Usually I'm disgusted by how smug and smarmy they are, but once in a while, I think, you know, that gives me something to think about. I mean, listening to too much, again, what I'm not recommending when I say reach out to the other side is the crazy nonsense, right? I think the Hannity and Tucker stuff is just, you know, it is pablum and it is um, it is toxic, but there definitely are smart conservatives and smart Trump conservatives that still are reasonable, still are in there trying to make their case that I can listen to without the craziness. But also we need to um, we need to evaluate our own side because the weakness in the work I do is when I tell you 87% of people are fed up with polarization and extremism, everybody nods, everybody feels it. But most people think the problem's on the other side. So I have a, a dear friend that I think is one of the smartest people I know from the right. 
And he nods when I say this, but he thinks all the problem is in the wokeism on the left. And then I have very dear friends that are progressives and they nod, but they think the problem's on the right. The truth is all of us suffer from this. Every single one of us, because yeah. we're all being part of this, you know, institutions and mechanisms that are manipulating us for profit and for, and for yeah. power. And so we need to break those shackles and use the skill sets to think critically. Yes. Well, I think this is such an interesting conversation. Daniel and Peter, thank you both so much for talking with us. This is a fascinating conversation and such an important issue because democracies aren't guaranteed, are they? No. And we want to preserve ours as long as we possibly can. And we're not going to be able to do that unless we come together and solve some of these intractable problems. Well, Katie, I think from the bottom of my heart, not only am I a big, big fan of yours always, but your style of work is exactly what we need more of, where there's self-reflection and where there's really real efforts to tell the whole story. So I, I think we need more of that. And I'm very, very grateful for you having us. I encourage people to learn more. It starts with us, which is starts with dot us starts with dot us okay and peter will make sure that people buy your book as well <laughs> thank you katie uh, and uh, i want to second everything daniel said <laughs> thanks guys appreciate bye, it katie, thank bye katie bye peter much. thank you bye. so much bye thanks for listening everyone if you have a question for me or want to share your thoughts about how you navigate this crazy world reach out you can leave a short message at 609 609- 512-5505. Or you can send me a DM on Instagram. I would love to hear from you. Next question is a production of iHeartMedia and Katie Couric Media. The executive producers are me, Katie Couric, and Courtney Litz. Our supervising producer is Marcy Thompson. Our producers are Adriana Fazio and Catherine Law. Our audio engineer is Matt Russell, who also composed our theme music. For more information about today's episode or to sign up for my newsletter, Wake Up Call, go to the description in the podcast app or visit us at katiecouric.com. You can also find me on Instagram and all my social media channels. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.